welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Diocletian. And welcome to Roman Emperors to Italus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus, and this is episode 50. 50! Yeah, we seem to be hitting all the landmarks recently. It's great. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, episode 50, Diocletian. Yeah. Oh, it's a big name. It's quite long, yeah, if you like it. <laughs> yes, it is. It's going to be a longer episode, this. That's all right. We've had for a while. I've got my uh, comfy trousers on, so... Yeah, yeah. We're recording later than usual as well. So ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I apologise. That's to your Ofsted visit. Yep. It's over yeah. now, though, so... It's over. <laughs> Way. If, you, um, if you're not in the UK and you don't know what Ofsted is, I'm guessing they have an equivalent in America and mm. other countries. It's the government coming and watching what you do and judging you. Yeah. Making you cry. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's over now. It's all so. over. Right, okay, let's go back into the joyous world of Roman history. Yeah, the We're real world. We're going to do the Tetrarchy. Ah, yes. Yes. That really well-known thing. Tetrarchy meaning four, of course. So we're doing nine emperors. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. For reasons that will come clear. It soon. is the Roman way. Yes. Give it one name and it's absolute <laughs> nonsense. No, it does make sense when you go into it, but we All will right. be looking at nine emperors. We have alliances, betrayals, love, death, small furry animals. Oh. Everything is in this. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to the next couple of months. Good. It's going to be good stuff. Now, <laughs> Rather than the barrel scraping we've been going through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, bizarrely, the sources don't really get much better. In fact, if anything, you could argue they get worse. Oh. No Historia Augusta. It's mm. just, we've got some emperors that do stuff, <laughs> which ah, is always nice. More public record. Yeah. So, um, this is usually the, the period we're doing from Diocletian to Constantine. Okay is obviously covered in chronological order usually, jumping from one character to the other. We don't do it that way. We we stick with the character to the bitter end. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a bit weird, but we'll see how it goes. That's all right. Yeah. So let's go into Diocletian, shall we? Born around the 22nd of December in 244 in modern Croatia. And he was born as Diocles, as we found out before. Yeah. We don't know the rest of his name. So oh. Just make the rest up if you want, I suppose. Diocles Smith. Yes, probably. We don't know what his parents did. All right. Uh, but it's likely they were of lowly birth. One source claims that his father was a scribe or even a freedman, so an ex-slave. Okay. Uh, some people even claim Diocletian may have been an ex-slave, but that's generally completely discounted. It's okay. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he would have entered the army and rose through the ranks, like the last few emperors that we have had. Yeah. And that's about all we've got in his early life, to be honest. All right. He's one of these emperors where we don't have much. The Historia Augusta claims that he served in Gaul for a while, um, but another source has him in command of the Danube region at some point. So, conflicting opinions there. The Historia Augusta, so... Yeah, so maybe we should just say it was definitely the Danube. That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah. All we do know for certain is that in 282, Carus put him in charge of the elite cavalry force that guarded the emperors. Oh, so like Praetorian Guard plus one. Yeah, the Praetorian Guard by this point had kind of been phased out, as we will get into in later episodes. Well, from judging what we've learned, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, the Praetorian <laughs> Guard now are mainly kept in Rome and not used as bodyguards. The Praetorian Prefect's still around, 
uh, but the guard is south less so. So they now have personal guard that they can trust. Rather than a guard that's just going to kill them as soon as they look yeah, the other way. Diocles was trustworthy, wasn't he? Yeah, so he's now in charge yeah. of the royal guard. Diocles went to the east with Carus, sacking Tessaphon. So he was taking part of all that, as yeah. we know, because he was there when Carus died of lightning, which we decided <laughs> definitely happened. Definitely. Definitely. So this is where Diocles and Aper, the Praetorian prefect, are battling it out. Who's going to be in control? Yeah. Yes. Numerian was put in charge of the army and slowly started to make his way back towards Rome. Yep. In late 284, the soldiers started to smell the stench from his <laughs> litter. So what's that thing? What's oozing at the bottom of the litter? <laughs> Ooh, it's all gooey. Don't taste it! Oh, Roger. <laughs> it's like, like in the X-Files. You remember in the X-Files how Mulder would always taste things? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Jeff does that? You'd be trying to be really cool when it's like, oh, well, I'll figure out what it is. Lick. <laughs> retching for the next 20 minutes yeah. finally stops and then someone opens the litter and he just starts <laughs> retching again. yeah yeah, yeah. right so we obviously don't have details about what happened here when Numerian was found dead we did <laughs> no. a lot of speculation last week but this is what the historian Augusta claims yeah Diocles immediately realising that Aper killed the emperor had Aper held by the guard Ooh. so historian Augusta Augustus going along the lines of Diocles is completely innocent, yeah. which we don't believe. Hmm. Then a meeting of the whole army was called. The troops lined up across the field and looked up at a platform that had been built where Diocles stood. They love building things, don't they? Oh, they do. Diocles, and I quote now, Then, having ascended the tribunal, was hailed as Augustus, and when someone asked how Numerian had been slain, he drew his sword and pointed at Aper, the prefect of the guard. He drove it through him, saying as he did so... It is he who contrived Numerian's death. So oh. literally as he stabbed him. I can't believe that. No, this is probably not true. You, you want to say something cool like, this is going to hurt you, me, more than it's going to hurt you. And you <laughs> yeah. might go, no, it's not. Is, is that your definition <laughs> of cool? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That is cool, I'm sorry. Cool. Or a stabbing pain. Yes. <laughs> Ice to see you. Yeah. But. It's... Too much iron in your blood. Oh, that one actually what? makes sense. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Historia Augusta goes on to say, My grandfather used to relate. Yes, we're now into the My Grandfather Said So yes. section of the Historia Augusta. Uh, Suetonius. Well, yeah, you see, very astute of you, because it is theorised that this is obviously just copying Suetonius' style here. Mm. This is all made up, but they want it to sound like Suetonius. Yeah. So that's what they're doing here. So, like, nonsense. Yes. In fact, if you look at my notes, where I've copied and pasted the quote, mm. it's got a little footnote, and that footnote says exactly what you just said. Oh. Yeah. See, I could be a historian. You could be a historian. Oh, oh brilliant. Yeah, have a bonus point. Yes. Yeah. So, my grandfather used to relate that he was present at this assembly when April was slain by the hand of Diocletian, and he used to say that Diocletian, after slaying him, shouted, Yes, get in, my son. <laughs> No, sorry. That's, well, may you boast, Aper. Tis by the hand of the mighty Aeneas that you perish. So it's wordy after you during killing someone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's bigging himself up, as the kids say. Mm. Yeah. Soon after this, he changed his name to Gaius Aurelius Valerius Diocletianus, or Diocletian for short. Yes. So there we go. He is now the emperor, sort of. Because obviously... Senate. There is the Senate, and there's also the other Emperor, Carinus, oh, yeah. still around, that he needs to sort out. 
So Carinus at that time was probably actually in Britain. If you remember, he popped over to Britain to sort, yeah. some, stuff, to sort some stuff out. Yeah. So he's um, Carinus rushing back from Britain. Diocletian may have had a large army, but Carinus had the rest of the empire. That helps. It does help. It was not certain how the war between them would play out. This definitely wasn't a one-sided thing, as I did mention last week. Diocletian had a friend. That's nice. And his friend was running Dalmatia. His friend was called Constantius. I've heard that name. You mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, Constantius comes up a lot. He is one of the Tetrarchy. Yeah. Yes. So, so put him in a box in your notes there. Box. There we go. Yeah. Constantius being in Dalmatia meant two things. One, it was easier for Diocletian to get his troops into Europe. Mm -hmm. And two, it's also speculated that Julianus, the general from last week who... Uh, Killed... Well, he revolted. Remember? Revolted, yeah. Yes. It's it's speculated that the reason why he did this is because Constantius persuaded him to do so. Go on, give go it a go. On, do it. You'd be great. Go on. Go on. Look how big a shine that sword is. <laughs> Just think about your great 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 grandfather. Yeah. How great he did. Yeah. You could be emperor. <laughs> yeah. So Julianus did revolt. This is great news for Diocletian. It meant that Carinus could be painted as the cruel threat that yeah. all wanted to get rid of. And also, Diocletian could just sit back and watch Carinus and Julianus yeah. battle it out, swoop in, and just pick the bones off the, uh, the victor. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit grim. Uh, but that was his <laughs> plan. However, in the spring of 285, Julianus had fallen to Carinus, and Diocletian was unable to sweep in. Ooh. Carinus was a little bit more active than people gave him credit for. Carinus then marched swiftly towards Diocletian's position, and they met near Belgrade, modern-day Belgrade. The battle was going in Carinus's favour until his troops suddenly seemed unfocused. I'm sure. <laughs> well, two reasons. They could be facing the sun. Yes. Mass concussion. Possibly. Or they're getting distracted by something. Yeah. Maybe flies. Maybe they've been asked to rub their tummy and pat their head. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, just multitasking generally. Whilst whilst carrying a sword and shield. Yes, whilst fighting. Half of them died. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it just suddenly it, the air of an efficient army went out the window, mm. and uh, no one was really sure why. Diocletian <laughs> was facing possible defeat, and all of a sudden the enemy were no longer acting as they should. But we know why because last week we found out, of course, <clears throat> Carinus's Praetorian prefect yeah. had betrayed him. And his name was Dio Aristobulus. Yes, it's always there. I'm yes, there it is. Aristobulus. Yeah, so Aristobulus defected. He killed Carinus, went over to Diocletian. And last week, you were a little bit concerned about Aristobulus, weren't you? Yeah, I said um, because he killed an emperor, he's probably going to die. I believe your words were he definitely will die, he's going to die. Yeah, he definitely will die. He's going to get killed. You'll be pleased to hear that he was not killed. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he was not. He, he just suffered a massive accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Aristobulus has tragically Ooh, killed himself. He got in the way of this sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, he became Diocletian's Praetorian Prefect. Really? For a short while, not for very long. Uh, that's brave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he was placed in the Senate. He then went on to hold the positions of Governor of Africa, and then later life, the Urban Prefect. That's nice. He generally had a decent career afterwards. As far as I could tell, there's not much on him, but he seemed to have a decent yeah. life. See, it pays to start in the back. Yes, it does. And if you want to listen to my podcast back, Roman, please switch to... <laughs> <laughs> oh. If well, I'd be interested. <laughs> <I must admit. laughs> 
<laughs> just to see the mess that ensues. Yeah, so Julius Caesar the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> Would it just be you reading horrible histories, rotten romans? No, it would be me reading the, the notes that you brought for the first five episodes. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do have some of my notes here, Just in more of a tinny nasally voice. <laughs> you being mean to yourself, though. Or are you putting on a voice? You say my voice is so bad that I'm putting it on. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. <laughs> We're digressing. I'll turn up the bass on my podcast. Carry on. <laughs> Lots of reverb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway. Moving on. So, back to Diocletian. He was now the undisputed emperor of the empire. Yet another general usurper in a long line of usurpers. Little did anyone know that this general was going to put an end of 50 years of near-continuous disruption and change in the purple. That's good. Yeah. Because th- nothing special about this, is it? It's just yet another usurper. At the, yeah, at the moment, yeah. Yeah, so let's find out what changed. Disbanded the empire. That'll solve it. <laughs> yes, it will. Let's give up. <laughs> right, the first thing he did was not go to Rome. Now, there's quite a few emperors have not managed to get back to Rome recently. Uh, Caracalla, Thrax, one of those two. Because they were always out fighting, weren't they? Caracalla did go back to Rome first, oh, if right. you remember, with his brother. I'm so. scared, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's been a few that just simply didn't make it back. Macrinus springs to yeah, mind. Yeah, um, But this was intentional. This wasn't a, oh, I'll get there soon. This was a, I'm not going to that place. Interesting. Yeah. Is he, is he looking down on Rome? We'll find out later okay. on. Diocletian was, what I like to think, is a bigger picture kind of man. That's what you need to be. That is what you need to be. It's scary, though, because when someone's always looking at the bigger picture, you're always more worried personally, because that makes individuals expendable. Oh, yes, interesting, you should say. I'm always doing that. What, being interesting? Well, making little comments that foreshadow something. Yes. It's not intentional. I'm not clever. I'm I'm just saying things. Valerian, Gallienus, Aurelian and Probus. Yeah. All big names in the crisis. Mm. I would personally argue that they are problem solvers, mm. definitely, in that they saw a problem and they rushed to solve it. Problem solvers. Oh dear, there's a problem over there. Let's get over there. Let's solve it with this massive sword. The... <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, get a band aid, but yeah, sword is probably more. <laughs> yeah. They were tired as fighters and they did their best to save the empire, and between them, they did, yeah, did, they did well. manage to write in that ship. Diocletian was also a problem solver, but in a much bigger picture kind of way, as we're going to see. The empire changes hugely under. Diocletian. Okay. Uh, so much so we're not going to be able to cover it all in this episode, so I'll be dipping into some of his changes in later episodes. Okay. It's not hard to argue that each change that he makes is a very deliberate attack on what was causing many of the problems. Some people say he was just reacting to events, but we're going to have to see. Was he reacting to events, or is this deliberate? Okay. So I just wanted to put this here rather than at the end, so you can be thinking about that as we go through Talking about foreshadowing, a couple of episodes ago, you said, why bother with the Senate anymore? All they do is cause trouble. It's old men that have no... yeah. Yeah, well, this is exactly what Diocletian was thinking. Yeah, you said that. I said there's a general walking around thinking the same thing. Yes, exactly. That Ah. was Diocles. (laughs) Yes. So, Diocletian not going back to Rome was a very deliberate move against the Senate. The power is where the emperor is. So if he doesn't go to Rome, then the Senate will have less power. That's interesting. Yeah, now that, on paper, sounds great. The argument, of course, is, well, Thrax didn't go back to Rome, and he paid the price. But Thrax didn't do very well fighting. I was, yeah, I was going to say, he was, he was yeah. big bodily, but not big emperorly. Yeah. However, the Senate house burnt down shortly after he became the emperor. Omen? <laughs> Possibly an omen. <laughs> Diocletian <clears throat> pays for it to be rebuilt. 
and that is the Senate House that still stands there today is the one that Diocletian rebuilt. See, that's some psychology, I think, isn't it? I saw nowhere that even vaguely suggested that Diocletian burnt it down on purpose no, 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 so yeah. he could rebuild it. However, if we're going down the theory of Diocletian, the genius mastermind, then possibly he did. I don't, I'm, I'm not suggesting he burns it down, but the idea that ah, this, is an exam- this is an idea for me, if I rebuild it, they owe me. Yes. I own them. Yes, definitely. Essentially. <clears throat> I mean, he could have maybe not rebuilt it and tried to get rid of them, maybe thought that would push them too far. Um, yeah, <laughs> push these old men to the think. <laughs> yeah. So, Senate House was rebuilt. Diocletian then went about not purging Carinus's supporters. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder why, because... Well, he thought Either they'd go on your side, or they'd see you as weak. Well, his thoughts were, if a man was useful, then give him a job. No, fair enough. If the man wasn't useful, well, just <clears throat> get rid of them, but don't get rid of them. <laughs> Unless, of course, he just had some useless subordinates, and he said, take care of them. And the subordinates did actually, like, take care of them. I'm like, Jeff. Like, yeah, Jeff just went and got them a cake and a cup of tea. <laughs> Maybe that's why there was no purge. Sat them down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Victor says this It is something new and unheard of that after a civil war, no one was disgraced. Mm. So it's a very nice end to this civil war that just happened. Mm. So instead of going to Rome, Diocletian heads north into the Danube area and Gaul, where problems are starting. As always, you will not be surprised to learn, right. barbarians are at the gates. Of course they are. Sarmatians were pouring through the Danube region, Franks and Saxons were raiding the coasts, and the Alamanni and the Burgundians were back yet again. I'm just writing barbarians. Barbarians, yeah. It's the age-old problem. How do you fight back everyone at once? Especially if you give a general enough men to go and fight separately, it meant they were likely to revolt yep. and become emperor. Mm. So what do you do? Uh, like a dot to dot. <laughs> Explain. Like, like goes one, two, three, four, and you get a little smiley face. Ah, and that was a really solution. <clears throat> yes. Run around quickly, fight everyone. In a logical pattern, though, so you kind of like a sweeping motion. Yes, and I would argue uh, Aurelian did that. He responded yeah. very well and quickly, yeah. and that's why he was so successful. He, didn't he go from west to east? Because somebody tried. Gallienus, didn't he? he tries to go from east to west. Yeah, that that is arguably one way you could do it. But Diocletian seen seen that this has been attempted before mm. and realised that wasn't going to work. So, bigger picture. He looked to the past to help him. Now Good. for some reason Good. I've seen many historians reference Marcus Aurelius and Lucius Verus at this point. Right. Say so he looked back at the joint emperorship of those emperors and realise you could have Verus in the east, Marcus Aurelius in the west. Now, I don't understand why they always go to Marcus Aurelius and Lucius Verus, because we've had Gallienus and Valerian. Mm. And in fact, it was only the last episode we had Carus and Carinus. So I actually think he's more emulating very recent events rather than looking back to Marcus Aurelius myself personally, but the fact remains, he's looked into the past and gone, we need to split the empire. Yes, because then... Well, it's also the, the the general thing as well, because if they're going to revolt, well, you don't have to revolt. You're now joint emperor. Exactly. Ju- junior, wink, emperor. But, you know, you're still emperor, but under my name. If there's a list on the door, the office door, your name would be under mine. It's slightly smaller font. Not you're too still much. the emperor. Not too much smaller. Yeah. It's still gold, but, you know, small. Yeah, it's almost as if you were there in the meeting. That's pretty much exactly what happens. Diocletian realised he couldn't fight all the battles at once. He had no sons. 
So oh. he couldn't give his son, like Karras did, joint emperorship. So where does he go? He goes to his most trusted general. No, not Constantius. <laughs> I, I pointed to Constantius on my notes, that's why Rob said that. <laughs> yes, that was that sort of hitting sound you just heard. Not me getting frustrated with Jamie. Mm. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was. So he chose his most trusted general and elevated him to Caesar. So this man was Maximian. Ooh. We will go into Maximian a lot next week. Nice. I'm not going to try and pretend we don't know who's going to be next week. He is the emperor we look at next Fantastic. week. Fantastic. Okay. Yes. But for now, just realise that he was a few years younger than Diocletian. Okay. He was a well-respected military figure with a boorish reputation. With a name like that, you know. <laughs> so, Maximian. This was just possibly within a couple of months of defeating Carinus. Oh, really? Yes. So this was quick, out the gates, what can I do? He can be my Caesar. He's a changing kind of emperor, isn't he? Yes. So when you get a new boss at work, they start changing everything. Oh, that is Diocletian. Very much so. Brilliant. Let's do it. Diocletian, realising he was not the best general around, got the best general around and tied him to himself. Not literally. Okay. <laughs> Maximian <laughs> was considered to be a very good general, so yeah. let's stop him from revolting. He can be my Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Comparisons to Augustus and Agrippa have been made here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. However, hold that thought till na- next week. We can decide whether Maximian should be compared to Agrippa in his episode. <laughs> I'm getting an impression already. <laughs> well, I don't want to um, cloud your judgment. But no, of course not. Yeah, make, make your own judgments. All right. All right. Yeah. So Maximian set off to settle Gaul, and Diocletian started to slowly head back east. By the end of 285, Diocletian was still in the Danube region. The Sumatians who had come into the empire demanded that the Romans let them settle, or help them fight the Vandals and the Goths that they were taking their own lands. So the Sumatians essentially said, we are going to come in here, we're going to steal all your stuff, unless you let us stay, or you help us fight the Vandals. Better have an ally than an enemy, right? Diocletian does not take well to demands. Fair enough. (laughs) No. So he just attacked the Sumatians. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I'll kill you all! Once he defeated them, however, he did resettle them within the empire. <laughs> Could he just do that to start with? No. He or was... did he want to break them first? He was proving a point. And right. because of this, he can do it under his conditions. It's oh, not yeah. seen as the emperor being browbeaten. True. It's, no, I, I will make you settle where I want yeah. which just so happens to be where you want, but shush. But, but that does start to build a mythos already of, like, he is a fighty emperor. A know. force to be reckoned with. A force to be reckoned with. Yes, yes, I agree. You could be nice and cut that so it looks like I said I would that. totally do that, yeah. You're not going to do that, are you? No. News then came through that Max, we'll just call him Max. Yeah. Came through that Max had settled Gaul and rid the channel of pirates. Oh, yeah, the pirates. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. All sorted. No sea shanties anymore. No, no more. Diocletian declares that victory had been had in the region. Had been had. Had been had, that's the words he used. He wintered in Nicomedia at this point, and spent the following couple of years dealing with the Persians. Bahram II had won his civil wars against his cousins and brothers, and was able to finally pay attention to the Romans again. (laughs) However, he was willing to talk peace with Diocletian. The Sassanids would relinquish their claim on Mesopotamia and Armenia. He wasn't able to fight the Romans at this point. 
Um, so he just gave up these areas. This was a diplomatic win for Diocletian. However, all is not good. Reports start coming through. Max has lost Britain. What? Yes. You give him one job. Just keep your eye on it. Make sure it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Turns around. Where's it gone? Have you checked. Is it just a foggy day? No, it's definitely gone. <laughs> one of his generals, Grausius, had revolted and declared himself Augustus. Of course. See, it's not changing. It's still like the crisis at the moment, isn't it? I'm Emperor of Britain. <laughs> Everyone's lasso. Idiot. Yeah. Good luck ploughing those fields. <laughs> so he was not declaring himself Augustus in challenge of Diocletian. No. But as a co-ruler. So Carousius was saying, Yeah, I I've you've given Max Gaul. Yeah. I'll have Britain and Diocletian you can rule the rest. Diocletian was having none of this. It did not look good to have an Augustus fighting a Caesar. The the optics of it was all wrong. You yeah. had Carousius on Britain, saying, I'm Augustus. And you had Max, who was Caesar, fighting him. Yeah. So, what does Diocletian do? Head to Britain. No, he made sure that everyone realised that it was Maximian, who was in charge over there. So he elevates him to co-Augustus. Clever. Yes, so it's now Augustus versus Augustus over there. Nice. Yes. It just looks better, doesn't it? Yeah. Or Augustus versus Usurp. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this image they were trying to cultivate at the time of father and son was now changed to that of brothers. Nice. Yeah, two brothers standing for defence of the empire. Religious overtones were also added. Diocletian was seen as being Jupiter, wise and all-seeing, and Maximian was Hercules. Nice. Big brute force defender of the gods. With line on head. Yes, so, nice image of them. Lots of coins set out that way. Lots yeah. of propaganda going on. Diocletian then reorganised the region of Syria. He fortified some cities. He packed up and headed back to Europe, safe in the knowledge that the East was, for now, secure. <laughs> it's always for now, isn't it? <laughs> for now, yes. <laughs> One of the reasons why Maximian had not kept hold of Britain was that he was having trouble with the Alamanni. So he was busy in mainland Europe fighting which gave Carousius time to take Britain away from them. Yeah, yeah. He realised there's no way he can get Britain back until the Alamanni are dealt with. So they decide to deal with the Alamanni. This is why Diocletian's heading back to Europe. They realise they're going to have to work together to get rid of these guys. Good. So, secretly, but at the same time, Maximian and Diocletian separately invaded Alamanni territory. Different angles. Pints of motion. Pints of motion. The Alamanni did not stand a chance against two imperial armies and were soon defeated. The small amount of territory was then added to the empire. Diocletian heads back east. Job done. So heads back to Nicomedia, which was fast becoming his imperial yeah. home, and says to Maximian, mm. there you go, go and get Britain back. You don't need to worry about the Alamanni anymore. That's all sorted. All you need to do is get Britain. You got that? Just <laughs> Britain. That's it. Just do that for me, could you? Cheers. And then <laughs> off he went. Awesome. Yes. However, news soon comes through to Diocletian Roger. that Maximian... Yes. Roger turns up. Maximian has failed to take back the island province. Oh, oh dear. I bet it's General Corral. <laughs> yes. First line of defence. We are going to go into a much more details <clears throat> of this next week when we do Maximian. Uh, the fact is that it was obvious that not no one man could hold the North alone. Because you needed one person pushing the invasion of Britain and you needed yeah. one person holding 
the Rhine frontier. Yeah, yeah. So this got Diocletian thinking. Hmm. We're a duoarchy at the moment. <laughs> hmm. Could be a triarchy? He staged a huge celebration in Milan, not Rome. In Milan. Has he actually been to Rome? No, he's not been there yet. They were still waiting for him. <laughs> All the bunting still out. <laughs> yeah. Slightly faded now. Yeah. Is he coming? <laughs> Your ladies in the street still with their banners out. Oh, where is he? <laughs> so, yeah, celebrations are in Milan. Both Maximian and Diocletian attended. Many festivities took place. The Senate were not best pleased, shall we say, that they were made to travel north to Milan. Besmirched. They were. That's the word they used. Um, yeah, this was another snob at the capital. A pangenic was read out to the crowd, so a speech that basically says, yes, these guys are wonderful, to reassure everyone that all was well. Yeah. Yeah, we've lost Britain, but everything's going fine, honest. So yeah. they paid people to read out great things about them yeah. for hours and hours. Poetry and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. just full-on propaganda for the masses. Brilliant. The two men emerged from the palace and stood side by side in a chariot as it slowly made its way around the city. And I quote, It was as <laughs> if the very houses were alive as every one man, woman and child poured out of their doors. Well, I guess it's nice because in, in, in Milan they, they probably never get this kind of thing. So it's a big spectacle thing. Well, it had, it had become more important Milan recently. Remember, that was at Gallienus' yeah, headquarters. It, yeah. it really was where the action was, yeah. imperially. Yeah. Um, Nicomedia obviously is rising now because Diocletian's spending all his time over there. However, despite them saying all was well, all was not well. Oh dear. Carousius had issued a coin. The monster. A far better coin than the Empire was issuing. Um, more detail? Bigger? Was there bigger coin? More silver content. Ah, better okay. made. Generally a better coin. Put them side by side. Ask someone <clears> to choose a coin. They choose this one. But oh, that's yeah. not the really bad part. The really galling part <laughs> was that Carousus's head was on it. Yeah, playing well, uh, as an emperor. But that's mm. not the really bad part. Oh. <laughs> and this is the genius bit. This is why I really like Carousius. Maximian's and Diocletian's head was also on it. Ooh. <laughs> yes. So yeah. validating... The coin was declaring that the three of them ruled together. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. <laughs> that's clever, though. It is. That's clever and propaganda. It, it annoyed Diocletian no end. What the hell? <laughs> we can imagine someone coming up with their little coin collection. Yeah. Like mine. <laughs> Look at my coins, Emperor. Oh, lovely. There's one from Gaul. Oh, one for the Danube region. That's lovely. What What the hell is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, look at the quality. <laughs> it's so shiny. It's, the the indentations are marvellous. Look, this yeah. is press made, not hammer made. Press made, sire. But Carousius was even doing incredibly annoying things, such as following Diocletian's laws. Oh, that's <laughs> rubbing it in. It's <laughs> really it? Stop doing what I want. When Diocletian <laughs> announced changes to the currency, <laughs> Carousius followed them. Any reorganisation that Diocletian was making in the Empire, Carousius did it. See, the trouble is, Carousius isn't doing that to annoy him. He's probably doing it to say, yeah, I'm on your side. I hope I... he's doing it to annoy him, to be <laughs> so, Yeah, I, I hope that as well, but actually, logically, he's doing it to say, you know, I'm with you in this. Yeah, definitely. From all we can tell, he was actually doing an alright yeah. job. Everyone in Britain seemed to really like him. Um, he's following the law. He's following the law, but... Diocletian and Maximian just could not let Can't it go. Following our laws, what a <laughs> git. Yeah. But this isn't all the problems. In the east, nomadic tribes had started to invade. 
In Egypt, unrest was spreading. A full-blown revolt seemed likely. The Persian peace was still new and very fragile, and the Danube, as ever, was leaking barbarians. <laughs> yeah. This is still very much, we're still in the crisis. Diocletian's not happy. He survived five years by this point. Oh, wow. So by crisis standards, doing pretty well. Yeah. But let's face it, he's not done anything yet. There's Nothing's changed. And Two he's, emperors. He's not happy about this. Mm. It's time for some more big picture thinking. What the Empire needed was more men to chase down these problems. What the Empire needed was more emperors. Maximian had a son, but he was very young. Obviously, deploying some amazing tact and persuasion, Diocletian convinced Maximian that he should not elevate his son to the purple, but they should both choose the most capable men that they knew to be Caesar. It's getting rid of that nepotism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, getting rid of that down to the sun line. Yeah, so they had a look around the empire. They decided, I say they decided, probably Diocletian decided who it should be. Yeah. (laughs) Maximian declared that his Praetorian prefect, Constantius, should be his Caesar. There we go, we finally got Constantius. Ah. Diocletian chose Galerius. Ah, okay. And there we go, we now have our tetrarchy. We have four emperors, two Augusti and two Caesars. That's something I feel I should point out now. Caesar we usually talk about as being the heir, but in this time it's more considered their junior emperors okay. rather than the heirs. Emperors in training. Yeah, almost that. So yeah. Caesar has a bit more weight at the moment than it has done recently. Okay. Both Constantius and Galerius divorced their wives and married into the imperial families. Strengthen the bond? Yes, although this may have happened sometime before, we're not really sure. So whether the roles were fixed from the start or not, there a pattern soon emerges. The two Caesars were the fighters, and the two Augusti were the overseers. Makes sense. Although this is not set in stone, and Diocletian and Maximian do still do some fighting. Also, not set in stone, but generally accepted, was the splitting up of the empire. So Constantius ruled Gaul and Britain, provided he could get Britain back, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maximian ruled Italy, Spain and Africa. Galerius ruled the Danube provinces, plus Greece, and Diocletian, everything in the east, Syria, Asia Minor and Egypt. Ah, okay. However, again, it should be noted, these are not strict boundaries. These are more areas they happen to work in most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no formal boundary between them, but that's where you generally found the emperors. Fair enough. Diocletian was clearly in charge. He was the senior Augusti. Then Maximian came in, and then the two Caesars. Yeah. Although you did actually find Constantius usually above Galerius. Really? In documentation. So possibly he was seen as the senior Caesar. So his name's on the bottom of the the office door. Yeah. Or in really small writing. Yes. (laughs) But still there's emperor next to it, so it's fine. Another interesting thing about the Tetrarchy, when one won, all shared the victory. But when one person (laughs) lost, their loss was theirs alone. Yes. This protected the ever-increasingly untouchable image of the emperors. It makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want losers, you want winners. So maximise the idea of winning. Yeah. Downplay the idea of losing. Diocletian was not insensitive to the problems that were obvious in this model. Maximian and Constantius both had sons. Maxentius, we've already mentioned. Yeah. Constantius also had a son. His name was Constantine the Great. That's just setting up for a big ego, isn't it? It really is, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) What have you called him? Oh, uh, Constantine the Great. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Do you see good things? (laughs) 
Yeah. Obviously not called Constantine the Great at this time, but no. again, I'm just making sure everything's clear. We know where we're going in this. There's he's... too much information flying about to try and make this yeah. a mystery. So he's emperor later on. Yes, he is. A great emperor, I imagine. We will judge when we get to his episode. Yeah, of course. Yes. Right, we're not really sure what Diocletian's thought process was at this point, but he sent for Constantine and Maxtentius to live with him. The two sons. Yes. Perhaps it was to gain experience before being handed power in later life. More likely, it was probably just a kind of, you know, to Constantius and Maximian. No. I've got your sons, by the way. I mean, no. Yeah. I just wanted you to know where they were, just in case you were worried. So we've got the Tetrarch set up. Let's see how that goes. In 293, Baram II died. Oh. Yes. He was effective. Yes, he was. His son... Baram the third took over. Okay. Have you written his name down? I have now. Good, cross it out because three months later <laughs> three months later, Narses usurps him. Narses and Diocletian exchange ambassadors, but things were a little bit tense here. Narses is very much cut from the same cloth as Ardashir and Sharpor. Hey. Yes. He despised the Roman presence on what he claimed was his land. Yeah. However, some good news comes through at last. Carousius was dead. Oh, okay. Yes, killed by his own men. However, his own men had not come back to the empire and the island still needed to be taken by Constantius. Yeah. While keeping half an eye on the Persians and awaiting news from Constantius on whether he'd retaken Britain or not, Diocletian, together with Galerius, started sorting out the Danube. It's time to sort that mess out. Yeah. It's been a leaky sieve for too long. Hmm. Tribes were pushed out or resettled, smaller tribes were dealt with kindly, and resettled on the border with hopes of using them as a kind of buffer against the larger nations, such as the Goths and the Vandals. Makes sense. In 294 to 296, new forts were built all along the Danube, finally giving the area some peace for a few years. <laughs> just calm. Yeah, seriously. Like crops through it. So, for a good couple of years, they just really... Good, roll up your sleeves, spring clean of the Danube. Yeah. And then he goes back home to Nicomedia. News finally comes through that Constantius has taken Britain. Back in the Empire, Diocletian can now claim to be Emperor of the whole Empire at last. Any good feeling, however, is very short-lived, as Narsus had finally given up on being peaceful and invaded Armenia. So the Persians are going into Armenia. At the same time, that bubbling in Egypt that I mentioned has finally come to a boil and Egypt has revolted. No. The governor there has declared himself emperor. Of course he has. Of course he has. He's on the list, though. So, <laughs> no, he's not. Leaving Galerius to deal with Narsius, Diocletian went down to Alexandria to fight the rebels. And kicked his face in. <laughs> Diocletian took the timing to mean that the rebels were actually in league with Narsus and the Persians. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, and he was not happy about this. Don't you dare. The siege of the second largest city in the empire started. He cut off the aqueducts to the city and waited for them to surrender. Nice yeah. simple plan. Yeah. The Alexandrians were waiting for the Persians to re- reinforce them. They were hmm. not coming due to Galerian's war with them. Oh, yes, that's why this is working now. Yes, it is working, isn't it? The governor who had been declared emperor seemed to be a figurehead, and the man actually pulling the strings was Achilles. And he tried to flee, but was caught. We don't know the details, unfortunately, but uh, I hope he opened the gate, took three steps, (laughs) and they just put his hand on his shoulder. (laughs) No. What are you doing, mate? I I think something more like tunnel under, got out, run away, so just grabs his heel. Yes. From the tunnel behind, just grabs his heel. Oh, 
yes. pulls him back through the tunnel. Oh. One one leg dislocated now facing the other way because he's being oh, pulled through. Painful. Painful. Or tunnel. Oh. Yeah. But this is ancient times. Don't yeah. really know where you're tunneling. He comes out in the <laughs> Roman camp. Yeah. Oh, I'm a skittle. Oh. <laughs> Spear just ran his throat. <laughs> yes. Why? In 298, the city fell. Diocletian was not in a good mood by this point and ordered the city run with blood until it oh. had reached the knees of his horse. That's a lot of blood. That's probably what someone said. <laughs> Just looking at his horse. The drainage system here is quite yeah. effective, sir. How so are we going to do this? <laughs> do you want your Frisian horse here that's particularly tall? Or do you want your... Um, Shetland pony. Your Shetland pony. <laughs> <laughs> However, the Alexandrians were very relieved when his horse stumbled and his knees touched the ground. Oh, that's ridiculous. Seeing this as a sign, Diocletian halted the massacre. Apparently the Alexandrians put up a statue of the horse in its honour to thank it. <laughs> that's a nice horse. That's a noble horse. Yeah. Diocletian then learnt two things. <laughs> Don't trust that horse. <laughs> yeah, get a new horse. <laughs> Don't make idle threats. No, he learnt the Manichaeans, who were followers of the prophet Mani, or Mani, in Egypt had apparently been the ones that had turned Egypt to the Persians. Okay. Now, the Manichaeans believed that Mani was the fourth prophet, after Buddha, Zoroaster, and Jesus. Okay. This was a very big, growing religion at the time, rivaling Christianity as the biggest monotheism. Oh, yeah. Let's see how it goes for them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus does all right, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, yeah, maybe Manai, Manai did all right. I don't know. Uh, Diocletian he was very traditional in his religious views. As we've already seen, he, he styled yeah. himself as Jupiter, yeah. rather than Aurelian with saying he was Sol Invictus, the sun god. So yeah. it's traditional values of religion with Diocletian. He realised the Manichaeans had a very strong infrastructure. They were very organised. And this was what made the rumours possible within Egypt. Yeah. That turned Egypt to the Persians. Mm. Okay. It wasn't necessarily the religion itself. It was the organisational power of the religion. Yeah. Diocletian realised he had to do something about them. Kill them. He burnt them all alive. (laughs) Well, he burnt their leaders alive, I should say. Yes. This is a precursor to what happens to the Christians. Oh. I'll get to that in a bit. Oh, is that under crazy? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> right, the second thing he learned was Galerius had failed against the Persians. Oh? Yeah. Diocletian heads back, still not very happy. He's not been happy for a while, has he? He's a bit of a moody, ma- moody man, isn't he? <laughs> There's a story that Diocletian forced Galerius to walk a mile in front of his chariot as punishment here. Um, it seems unlikely. The whole idea yeah. is the Tetrarchy are united. Yeah. It just does not strike true at all here. I, I, I think a, a, a little telling off in the office. Yeah, keep it behind doors. Yeah, Definitely. then when you come out all smiling and happy, but Galerian's is obviously an over-the-top smile. Yeah, you really get the sense yeah. Diocletian is very much a modern politician kind of ruler, yes. don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a David Cameron. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right. Um, soon afterwards, Galerius was off again. He was off to prove his worth. This time he went north through Armenia. We're not entirely sure, but it's possible Diocletian went with him at least part of the way to try and protect his flank. Uh, but maybe he stayed behind. Either way, a message... Inspection. Yes, possibly. <laughs> it's time you go and invade again, Galerius. Let but me... I, I will be coming with you for the first third. Just reviewing your <laughs> progress. <laughs> 
Let's try and learn from our mistakes from last time, shall we, Galerius? <laughs> shall we do that? Yes. Yeah. But a message comes through. Galerius was completely victorious. Wait, well, he upped his game because he was being inspected. Yeah, he upped his game. Although Narsus had escaped, he had run away in such a hurry that Galerius had captured his treasury, oh, okay. his wife, oh. and his harem. Oh, what a night. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want to lose those three things. Yeah. <laughs> Not the money. Not the wife. Oh, the oh women. no! <laughs> I have nothing left. Yeah. This bottle of gin. <laughs> Not long after, news comes through that Galerius has managed to reach Tessaphon and sack the city. Nice. The poor Tessaphonians. Again, yeah. <laughs> Why does anyone live there anymore? <laughs> so it's the fourth time this week. <laughs> so, with this massive advantage, not that type. <laughs> <laughs> Just realise what I've written there. Yeah. With this massive advantage, Diocletian hey. was then able to uh, negotiate with Narsus. <laughs> yeah. Just humiliated Narsus. Yeah. Check out my advantage. <laughs> my advantage is much bigger than yours now. Oh. Yeah. Persia once again gave up control of Armenia. Lots of little changes happened on the border that is hard to cover because it's yeah. just lots of detail. But to sum up, although it doesn't look like much on a map, certain strategic sites are now in Roman hands making it far, far, far harder for the Persians to attack. Yeah. So good was this peace deal that's made here, it lasts for 40 years. That's almost the length of the entire crisis. The East is now actually secure. Oh, it's actually... Like, wow, awesome. Actually secure. Properly. At least for 40 years. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's a long time for this day and age. Yeah. Diocletian yeah. then returns to Egypt... Just, just to see how they are. Just hops back. As far as we can tell, nothing new was happening, but you just get the impression it was a, an impromptu spot check. Inspection. Yeah, everyone was going about their business. They look up and go, oh, God. <laughs> He's got the notepad. <laughs> Run! <laughs> yeah. Right. On the way home from Egypt, heading back to Nicomedia, Diocletian meets Galerius in Antioch. Oh, dear. And discuss affairs... From what we can tell, Diocletian had grown to seriously mistrust the organised religion, Christianity. He looked at the Manichaeans and went, ah, they caused a lot of problems. Uh, and those Christians are awfully similar. They even believe in the same prophet. So it's reactionary behaviour. Yeah. So what can we do, he asked Galerius. What can we do? We're a bit worried about this religion. We're a bit worried they're trying to undermine our society. What? How can we sort this out? Diocletian's plan, and mm -hmm. this is debatable and we'll go into this later, yeah. but as far as we can tell, Diocletian's plan was to remove all Christians from office, and that was it. Oh. He claimed to do any more would lead to more bloodshed. He'd seen what Decius had tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd seen what Valerian had tried. Yeah. He realised that perhaps that wasn't the way to go. Galerius, on the other hand, had slightly different views. Oh dear. He stated that all Christians must die. Die now, die horribly. Kill them all. <laughs> and that was the only way the state could be safe. Fair enough. I will quote. The old man, being Diocletian at this point, long opposed the fury of Galerius and showed how pernicious it would be to raise disturbances throughout the world and to shed so much blood that the Christians were wont with eagerness to meet death, and that it would be enough for him to exclude persons from that religion from the court and the army, 
Yet he could not restrain the madness of that obstinate man. He resolved, therefore, to take the opinions of his friends. So he seeks out some advisers. The consensus seems to be that the Christians were definitely a threat. (laughs) Uh, But how to deal with them was very much divided. Eventually Diocletian turned to the gods. His advisers didn't help him. The priests and the soothsayers you will be shocked to learn, were not happy with Christianity. Of course not. And sided with Galerius. Oh dear. Diocletian, very religious himself. Mm. Oh, well, if that's the case, if that's what the gods want, we're going to have to go with plan B. Let's try and kill them all. Now, to be fair, it wasn't full out, let's kill them all, to begin with. Oh, (laughs) okay. In early 303, the army took a newly built church that sat upon a hill in Nicomedia. So they just stormed the church. This was a brand new powerful church. This is a very visual representation of the whole problem here. The palace was overshadowed by a brand new church. Ah. Yes, it had to go. (laughs) This new religion is it's not get rid of that. You could have could have filed a complaint. (laughs) The local council. The doors were forced and everything was burnt within it. An edict was then passed declaring that all churches be pulled down, Bibles burnt, etc. etc. Okay. So no places of worship, nothing to worship with. The church was divided on how to respond to this. In the east, the advice was to give in. Don't sacrifice yourself. We can worship without churches. Just kind of the, the Baptist ideology there. Yeah. Yeah. They may take your churches, but they can never take your freedom, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wearing kilts. Yeah. Blue face paint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In Africa, the message was more fight to the death, don't let them take the churches. The Christian way. Yes. <laughs> Within a couple of months, Diocletian's palace had been set alight twice. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Diocletian left the city not wishing to risk himself, which was all very brave of him, I can't help but feel, since it was his idea. (laughs) Young Constantine, remember Constantine's with Diocletian at this point. Constantine later claims that the palace was set alight by God himself using a thunderbolt. Possibly more likely, it was angry Christians. It probably. Yes. But, you know, Thunderbolts, they're going for emperors at the moment, aren't they? They are, they definitely are. Tensions rose and things obviously escalated. So a second edict was passed. All clergy were to be imprisoned. Now, the folly of this was very soon obvious. Ancient times were not like today, without prison-obsessed justice system. Yeah, they did the wrong put them in prison. Yeah, that's not how things happened back then. They just simply did not have the capacity to hold that many prisoners. Good. So, they either had to kill them or let them go. That was what was facing them. So they asked the emperor, what should we do? We've got all these people, we can't hold them, tell us what to do with them. So a third edict was released. Uh All clergy were to be released. Into? (laughs) (laughs) Vats of boiling oil. No. (laughs) As long as they made a sacrifice. Okay. The sources in this period are very, very biased. Because we're about yeah. to hit Constantine's period. Okay. And that's when ah. Christianity comes in. So okay. Everything, everything is heavily biased towards Christianity from right. this point okay. on. And all the sources go on to describe terrible torture and executions, awful, awful things that happen here. Gibbon points out that this bias makes these accounts obviously exaggerated and, and unlikely. Yeah. However, Modern historians pointed out that unlike Gibbon, we've seen firsthand what happens when a state turns against a minority religion. And believe me, yeah, that was not good. No. That was your worst nightmares coming true. So there's a very good chance that this really was as bad as the sources made out. 
I, I can certainly believe that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Things were not good. That's what we'll say. <laughs> However bad it was, to what degree it was bad, there's no doubt that many, many people died. All this was happening in the East. In the West, under Maximian and Constantius, things were much calmer. Only the first edict was issued there. If you remember, that was the edict that just said take down the churches, burn the Bibles. Yeah. There's no bloodshed. No one was to be harmed. It, it was is, just take away their things. It was like in the 60s when they burnt the Beatles albums. <laughs> yes. The Beatles were still popular. They're still there. You just, you know, you just wasted your money. <laughs> they still had your money. It was fine. Yeah. All those Bible sellers, that were real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bibles to burn. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will need a new one tomorrow. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, the first edict, like I said, didn't state that any bloodshed should happen. Maximian enforced the edict, but did not do so with the same vigour of Diocletian and Galerius. Constantius didn't really enforce it at all. That's right. He perhaps realised the edict was obviously detrimental to the public good. I mean, attacking a minority religion within your state is so obviously just going to cause more problems. Yeah. Constantius obviously realised this. Or maybe yeah. it's just a case that Christians were less of a threat in that area. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't know. What we do know is Constantius was not very vigorous following these edicts at all. And that has huge ramifications for later. They're still there. There's a presence. Um, yeah, partly. You'll see. Okay. Um, but I would argue this decision by Constantius is one of the biggest decisions in world history. Really? If you logically follow it along. But we'll see why. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, during all of this fun that's going on... <laughs> fun and game. Yeah. Diocletian decides it's finally time to pay Rome a visit. Oh, yeah. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a little while. Rome, realising that this was his chance to show the emperor what, it had, what he'd been missing all this time, <laughs> put on the biggest celebration in living memory. They nice. went all out. This backfires hugely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really? Yes. Diocletian was used to, by that point, a certain attitude of deference towards him. The Roman people, as in the Roman Romans, yeah. they're not used to acting in certain ways towards emperors. They're used to emperors being first amongst equals. Uh, Diocletian's used to being Jupiter. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, so they're a little bit familiar with him. The Roman people <laughs> seemed like a massive herd of drunken, arrogant fools. Oh dear. Yeah. Grabbing, pulling. Yeah, if this was the Eternal City, he wanted nothing to do with it, and he decided to leave just after a few days to the shock and anger of the Roman people. He starts his journey home, and he got ill. Oh no. This was no cold. This was full-on make peace with the world and say goodbye to your loved ones kind of illness. Flu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he ordered that he be carried in a litter back to Nicomedia so he could die at home. Not in a litter... It took a year to get back to Nicomedia because they had to go so slowly because he was so ill, but he refused to stop anywhere for any periods of time. He arrived in Nicomedia at the end of the summer and managed to just about show his face to the crowds to prove he was not dead, and then Bye. he was taken into the palace to <laughs> I, I know I'm the last guy I killed, I mean, um, the last emperor. <laughs> yeah. On the 15th of December, 304, he fell into a coma. Galerius was sent for. Not long afterwards, news spread that the emperor was indeed dead. Mm. However, news then spread that Diocletian was in fact alive. However, the more sceptical assumed that this was just a story trying to quell any uprising before Galerius arrived. Fake news. Yes. 
Galerius did indeed arrive in March, and the shock of all, perhaps including Galerius himself, <laughs> who appeared at the door to greet him, ah. Diocletian. Ah, he looked awful, him. but he was alive. Hello! <laughs> and he asked Galerius how things were. <laughs> He'd not been able to do any ruling. He was on death's door. He doesn't okay. know what's been going on. Okay. So he asked Galerius how things were. The fight with the Christians in the east... It's not going well. Oh. Both sides were forced to become more and more extreme. <laughs> Christian clergymen who would argue that offering a token to the Romans, like sacrificing incense yeah. to, to Roman gods, you weren't really making a sacrifice to another god because the Olympian gods were clearly not real. Ooh. So therefore we're not really committing blasphemy here. Yeah, okay. There were many Christians who made that argument. <laughs> yeah, do that, it's ridiculous. <laughs> However, they were chased out by the more hardline Christians right. who just wanted death, fighting and destruction. The Christian way. Yeah, unfortunately, as per usual, if you start fighting a group, it's the more extreme of that group that will come out and it will just escalate, and that's what was happening. Why have we seen that before? Oh, I don't know. The advisors of Diocletian that called for a more managed approach were also chased out. Diocletian was not able to rule, so Galerius's no. posse at this point had pretty much taken over the east, and they were very anti-Christian. Oh dear. Diocletian almost being dead... All the anti-Christian laws could then be put in place that they wanted. A fourth edict had been published. All citizens must make a sacrifice. This time the punishment was death. Ooh. What other emperor did that? Decius. Yeah, they brought things like flies and yes. rats and... Yeah. I've got a fly! Now, we don't know for sure Diocletian's reaction to this, but we do know the persecution of Christians lessened after this time. So we can infer that Diocletian just said to him, you've gone too far. <laughs> this is clearly backfiring. It would appear that a mixture of public opinion and Diocletian pulling Galerius back did actually slow down some of the violence at Good. this point. Good. Diocletian had had a long time to think whilst lying in bed, close to death, and it would appear that he had decided on a course of action. It was the last phase of his Tetrarchy experiment. There was a good chance this had always been the plan. We don't really know, but now was the time to act. Twenty years after ruling, Diocletian would abdicate. He retired. Not only that, but so would Maximian. What? Galerius and Constantius would be elevated to Augustus and two new Caesars put in their place. Oh. Now, the nice round numbers of this happening 20 years after he started ruling and 10 years after the start of the Tetrarchy makes many believe that this was always the plan. And he had a plan for this rotating system of government. You spend 10 years at Caesar, 10 years in Augustus, then you retire. Like having a set term if you're president or prime minister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no direct evidence for this, but there is a compelling argument for it. There were, of course, two obvious candidates for the two new Caesars. Yeah. We need two new Caesars here. It's exciting. Who are we going to choose? Two of the emperors had sons, of course. Yeah. Mastentius and Constantine. Yeah. In fact, one mint in the empire, trying to get ahead of the order, about to come in, even started pressing coins announcing Constantine as Caesar. Oh. Yeah. It was that, that obvious to yeah. some. <laughs> yeah. However, as you might guess, it was not to be. Swerve! Yes. Perhaps indicating another turn in the power struggle between Galerius and Diocletian, both Caesars were in fact Galerius's friends. Ooh. To stop mm. that nepotism, because he's obviously anti that, wasn't he? Yeah, possibly it's that. We're not really sure. Mm. Maximinus Dyer and Severus. <gasps> 
He's back. He's back. Yes, Severus too. So, Maximinus Dyer and Severus become Caesar. More on them in another episode, because yes, they both come up as well. But needless to say, Constantine and Maxentius mm. are not happy. No, no. We'll see how that plays out. On May the 1st, <laughs> 305, Diocletian and Maximian both retire. And here's a quote. Diocletian with tears addressed the soldiers and said that he had become infirm. He needed repose after his fatigues, and he would resign the empire into the hands of more vigorous and able, and at the same time appoint new Caesars. The spectators, with the utmost earnestness, waited for the nomination. Suddenly, he declared that the Caesars were Severus and Maximinus Dyer. The amazement was universal. Oh. Again, this is probably unlikely, I'm sure. It was all planned in advance, not announced on the day, but <laughs> yeah. you do get a sense that not everyone was best pleased with this choice. What? Diocletian was asked what he was going to do now. I'm off to grow cabbages, he replied. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Brilliant. Albeit in a massive and heavily guarded palace in yeah. modern-day Croatia. There's this idea that he went off to be a cabbage farmer, because he did. He went and he grew cabbages. Uh, but you get this image of him being on a little farm somewhere. No, he was in a huge, massive palace that had people to grow cabbages for him. I imagine. Massive walled fortress in the middle of a square a little bit cut out like a little allotment yes. a little wooden wooden hut at one end yeah a little shed and little you know yeah. all the veg veg patch oh so i did think about going to his death but we're going to stop here because it's a long one well and, he's he's, um, not, he's not the emperor anymore we finished that's yes. weird though he's not dead so we have right now two retired emperors diocletian yeah. and maximian two augusti Constantius and Galerius, two Caesars, Severus and Maximinus Dyer, and two sons of emperors who are feeling very unhappy, Maxentius and Constantine. Yeah. What can possibly go wrong? Oh, no, nothing at all. <laughs> we have I'm sure this experiment goes really well. <laughs> eight people all going, hmm, I could be emperor. Right, and now we need to rate him. Oh. <sighs> Fightius Maximus. Now, you might be amazed to learn, we really don't have many details here. It's, it's a longer episode because he mm. walked for so long and so much happened. But if you want nitty gritty details, yeah. there's not much, unfortunately. So we just need to go over the highlights. He fought a civil war and won against Carinus. That's good. He fought many times in the Danube, pushing back many barbarians. He put down revolts in Egypt. He was involved in defeating the Persians. He was given many titles, and I will give them to you now. Germanicus Maximus, times six. <laughs> Sabaticus Maximus, times four. Persicus Maximus, times two. Britannicus Maximus, Carpiacus Maximus, Aminicus Maximus, Medius Maximus, and Adiabenicus Maximus. I'd hate to have that as a signature. It's a long signature. Germanicus, 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 Germanicus. Samarius, 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 Persicus, Persicus, Britannicus. Imagine that. It would be tricky, wouldn't it? It would. So he fought a lot, and he never yeah. lost. Never lost a battle, as far oh, really? as we can tell. If he did, it was covered up. Yeah, that's pretty good. So he's undefeated. So that's as good. Bad. Some of these, you could argue, uh, were more his subordinates. And most of those titles he would have got through his subordinates. Well, we did that with Augustus, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, so... Do they deserve the credit more than him? You could also argue that Aurelian and Probus had already put the hard work in fighting the barbarians. True. Uh, but, I mean, it's certainly no walk in the park. He only beat Carinus at the start due to treachery. 
It's not like he was going to lose that battle. Yeah, he's obviously persuaded though. That's political, and he's he's been proven to be politically quite savvy as well, hasn't he? Oh, very much so, definitely. So that's that's points there. Yeah, I it, it's very strong, I would say. Uh, I yeah, I, I'm thinking not quite nine, maybe eight. That's exactly where I was as well. Yeah. When doing the research, I was wondering. I was thinking it's it's an eight. It's very strong, uh, but he's personally not doing huge feats here. No. Uh, but he's doing some impressive stuff. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, that is a sixteen. Fighters Massless. Approvium crazy. He had nothing at all personal crazy here. So he's not going to score any there. But on a probium front, we do have the whole religious persecution thing. Kill a lot of Christians. Yeah, now this, I always find this a tricky one because we're giving points for something that is truly horrific. And I do need to remind myself these points are for historical importance yeah. they're getting these points for. Is it worth studying them in history? That's why I see their score. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So let's let's look into the persecution slightly more. Uh, it would appear that it was mainly Galerius that was pushing it. Okay. But you cannot let Diocletian off the hook. No. He was in charge. He was Cena Augustus, mm. and it happened under his name. He could have said no. He could have said no, definitely. Galerius was the one in that meeting saying, no, we've got to kill them all. And Diocletian agreed with him at the end of the meeting. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's his fault. I'll have a quote here from one source trying to describe the atrocities. Had I a hundred mouths, a hundred tongues, a voice of brass, an adamantine lung, not half the dreadful scene could I disclose. Ooh, that bad. That bad. Although, on a slightly lighter note, it is always impossible to hear the word adamantine and not think of Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe Wolverine was there. Oh, brilliant. Logan. That's his name, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, to explain rather than excuse here, why was he doing this? Diocletian had put a long time putting the state back on its feet. Yes, he had. And he had just witnessed how a close, tight-knit religious organisation could undermine the government, yeah. the Manichaeans. Mm. So, he sought how to solve the problem. This is back with his <laughs> big picture. There's a problem here. How do I solve it? Unfortunately for him, he'd clearly not studied history enough to realise that he was arguably doing the worst thing possible. Mm. By attacking a religion, sympathy grew for Christianity amongst the general population. Yes. Whilst at the same time, Christianity itself became more extreme and more opposed mm. to the Roman Empire. That's true. So they just picked up supporters no end. Which is what happens when you attack a religion. Yeah. Okay, so you've got that. You've got the, the persecution of Manichaeans, let's not forget them, and the Christians. Yes. Um, his good saying, you do get a sense that he sat in a room late into the night every night, really trying to get to grips with whatever the problems were. This is not the actions of a madman. No. He's not crazy. No. He did cause a lot of opprobrium. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm thinking of maybe six, maybe five. I wasn't going to go quite as high as five, uh, six, sorry, because there's no personal crazy there. I think oh, some points true. do need to go for the religious persecution, but bearing in mind we do have Galerius coming up. That's true. Okay, three. I'll go down to three. I was, I was going four myself. I'll, go, I'll stick three. You're going to stick the three. Okay. So I think <laughs> Galerius will score a lot more. <laughs> quite possibly. That's seven for a Probium Crazy. Successes Ultimus! Right, this is the round where we're going to be slightly unfair to Diocletian. Because there was quite simply not enough time to cover this. 
because we could make the episode two, three, four times longer and still be talking about his reforms. Yeah. So my idea is we'll see how much time we've got in future episodes. Okay. Uh, but those that are slightly shorter during the Tetrarchic period, I'll go into a bit more details of his reforms. But just for a light introduction. Yeah. He did a lot. <laughs> so let's start with the army. He put together new ways to defend the frontiers. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes this is dubbed defence in depth. So in essence, mm-hmm. imagine the walls and patrols of Hadrian. Yeah. So remember Hadrian's plan was to put walls up and have patrols stop the barbarians coming in. Yeah, put walls everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Now imagine that's the shell of an egg. Yeah. The shell protects the egg. Yeah. However, once the shell is broken, mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in the crisis, the barbarians got past the solid but weak front line and caused mayhem. Mm. So now imagine that that shell's got a lovely sponge layer on top of it. Ah, okay. Barbarians would pass the front line of light, numerous patrols. Mm. A few miles back from this front line were fortified positions. Yeah. And then further that, some really large garrisons. Yeah. Okay. So barbarians would get past that front line quite easily. There's no way you can protect everything on the front yeah. line. But that was kind of the point, because then they get bogged down by the fortified positions behind the front line. Yes. The people on the front line could then attack them from the rear, safe in the knowledge that that massive garrison that isn't yeah. too far away will be there <laughs> in a couple of days or so. Excellent. So you've got a really good, solid protect a system of protection being built up. Like a layered approach. Yes. However, it must be noted that some historians dispute this and yeah. say we're reading too much into some archaeological finds we've found. Uh, but the consensus is that Diocletian put this into effect. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's good. He also increased the army size massively. 30 new le- legions were added. An insane amount more than were before. However, you... It must be noted these legions were much, much smaller than they were before. He yeah. effectively made legions much smaller and had far more of them. Okay. That's better for manoeuvrability. Yes, definitely. So, I mean, I could go on about that for ages and yeah. ages, but I'll just stop there. That was his army reforms. We might go into more detail in another episode. Tax. Oh. Diocletian, one night, obviously sat in his tent and went, We have no money. How much tax is coming in? Nothing at all. We've got some... Coins coming in, but they're not worth anything whatsoever. <laughs> they're tin, sir. Yeah. So what to do? Tax. Tax you get nothing from. You get worthless coins. Well, increase the value of tin. <laughs> or iron. <laughs> he decided to take out the middleman. The middleman, in this case, being money itself. Utopian future. Yeah. He's a socialist. <laughs> he ordered that everything be counted. There were blank looks. Well, what did he mean by everything? And at that point, Diocletian looked to the sky and said, Everything! Just like in the film. <laughs> Have you seen Leon? No. Oh, you should. Police chief call- says, call in everything yeah. to attack the assassin. And someone says, what do you mean, everything? And he just screams, Everything! Yeah. A woman with a feather duster. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you! <laughs> yeah. So, count everything in the empire. A census was taken of the empire. How much stuff did everyone have? Fair enough. Diocletian then worked out how much stuff was needed. I hasten to add, this is hugely simplified. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how much stuff does everyone have? How much stuff is needed? And then he asked for that much stuff of everyone. Okay. Each province had to give so much stuff. 
But how to value the stuff? Yes. It's the problem. Well, that all depended on various things, like how much land you had, how many people you had on that land, mm-hmm. how much crops you could theoretically grow, and various other factors. So, yeah. if you could theoretically grow X amount of wheat, you owed Y amount of wheat. Yeah. So you just gave the wheat over. Yeah. Yeah. It could then be shared out towards the army. Let's face it, you're only taxing um, <laughs> for the army yeah. and some public works at this point. However, not everyone had surplus wheat. So if you happen to be great at making sunglasses in your city, (laughs) maybe you're just a sunglasses kind of city, you could pay in sunglasses equivalent to that amount of wheat. That'd that'd be tricky, though, working out the... Ah, but it was. Yeah. He ordered that that was worked out. Everything had a value and everything could be cross-referenced. It gives a good baseline for everything, though, I guess. Yes, it does. Again, this is vastly simplified. It's very, very complex. Um, But... It kind of worked. It certainly worked better than anything Rome had ever had before. For the first time in its history, Rome was actually bringing in, well, not money, but enough stuff in tax. Because imagine, like, what this poor little kid in the street finds a coin, because what the hell is this money? <laughs> yes. Weird. I don't even know the colour. It's gold, son. Now, they didn't give up on coins completely. No. Coins were in circulation, but they just realised that they're not very useful at the moment. So it's paying by commodity rather than yes. by... By promise, yeah. which is what coinage is and money is, really. Linked to this is uh, one idea that did fail. He had an edict on upper prices to try and stop inflation. So he realised that things were getting more and more expensive, so he just said, right, you can no longer charge more than this much for wine. It didn't work. Yeah, no, it couldn't. <laughs> no, it was a good try. Yeah. It's a brave attempt, but it just didn't work. But for us, it's brilliant because we've got that. We've got a big long list of different stuff yeah. and how much it cost exactly at this time. That's it true. gives us a great insight. Yeah. No time to go into it now, but in a future episode, we'll definitely go back to that. Yeah. We see what type of wine, what type of beer they had. Nice. We get to see some nice little details you wouldn't usually get. Awesome. Right. His province reforms. Diocletian split up all the provinces and made them much, much smaller. He had now over 100 provinces, but they were all grouped into what were called dioceses. Di- ah, dioceses. Yes. Ah. Dioceses, coming from Diocletian, that's and that's amazing. why we have the name. Oh, you'll like this even more. Go on. Because these were governed by equestrians called vicarii. Now, vicarii. Vic- Vickers. Yeah. Wow. They were governed by vicars. Now, vicarii meant substitute, substitute governors. Yeah. So senators that went home early or died, the government, <laughs> the, the province had to be ruled by someone. Yeah. So a vicarii was brought in, a substitute governor, until the next senator could come along. Diocletian has no truck with senators. <laughs> so the provinces are now being ruled by those equestrian vicarii. Wow. But why change the name? Everyone calls them vicarii. Hmm. Let's keep calling them vicars. Wow. So the dioceses were ruled by the vicars. That's amazing. Which does put in a really sort of Church of England kind of feel. Of <laughs> yes, it does. All of a sudden you've got lots of people eating crumpets and drinking tea. Yes. Cardigans. <laughs> yes, lots of Jumpers, cardigans. that's what I've got in my head. <laughs> yeah. So huge reforms going on. He then split the civil and military posts within the provinces. So if you were in charge of the men with the sharp pointy things in the yeah. province, you were no longer in charge of the money. That's good. And if you were in charge of the money, you could no longer order the troops around. So limiting corruption. Exactly. This is an obvious attempt to stop all the revolts, and considering the length of Diocletian's rule, 
it would appear it worked. Yeah. I mean, okay, you had Egypt fall apart slightly, and you had Britain fall apart for a long time, but generally, yeah. usurpers were, were pretty minimal. So, again, big picture of his success here. Yeah. The crisis is now over. You've no longer got a rapid turnover yes. of emperors. The empire is stable. Persia is sorted. The barbarians, for now, are kept out with a good defence mechanism. The empire is building again and doing better than it's done in decades. Yeah. Against this, Lactantius, and I quote, There began to be fewer men who paid taxes than there were who received wages, so that the mean of the husbandmen being exhausted by the enormous impositions, the farms were abandoned, cultivated ground became woodland, and universal dismay prevailed. Oh dear. So that is a future Christian historian. Mm. <laughs> Um, claiming that these were really bad. But he is... The word bias doesn't even cover it, to be <laughs> honest. He just despises anything yeah. to do with the Tetrarchy, apart from mm. Constantius. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure we can really take that quote no. as evidence against him. Um, um, the only other bad thing was, as I said, that idea of having an upper prices limit to stop inflation failed. And then, obviously, we've <clears> got the religious persecutions, the big black mark... They were not successful in the slightest. But at the moment, or for later on? Because I'm thinking of just in the moment at the moment. You do need to judge it for the moment, and yeah. it, it's a tricky one. It's we'll a, choose that later you on. You do always see historians struggle for this, because he's so obviously so successful for the Empire, but he's got this black mark. In fact, in most history books that I've read, this is completely separated. It's a separate chapter on the end, oh, really? almost as if they don't want to deal with it. <laughs> Uh, but like you say, if you take the hard, cold look at is the empire better than it was when he started, it's yeah. undeniably better, yeah. unless you were a Christian at the time. Yes. Uh, but for the empire, the empire is better as a whole. Big picture. Yes. He's ended the crisis. You, I personally cannot give him less than 10. He's ended the crisis. It's been on for 50 years or more. I've got to agree with you. It is just insanely successful he's up there with Augustus he has essentially started a new empire here he is essentially a new Augustus interesting oh well there you go so I think he's he's yeah. got to have 10 so that 20 20 okay image of face you do have an unfair advantage this week because when you met me the other day whilst I was doing some research at a, a public place public house yes haven't sell alcohol um, you saw an image <laughs> I can't remember it. Oh, like, can you not? Fair enough. We were in a public house, so I can't really remember it. <laughs> well, interesting, you put a crown on him. Well, all the emperors we've done the past couple of weeks have had crowns on. Fair enough. Okay, right. You've also gone for bearded, but short beard, short hair. Yeah. Very serious looking. Okay, there we go. Ah, yeah, bearded, short hair, and a crown. Well, oh, one on has what? a beard, one doesn't. Oh, interesting. He's got two very different busts here. The first one looks like a mix between Augustus and Trajan. Oh, you know what? He does. That's a very good description. I had to check three different places to make sure that was definitely him. Three Google Images searches, then? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I went to various websites. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it is him without the beard. Yeah. But th the, this image is the classic image of him with mm. his diadem and his beard. Uh, that's how I've always imagined him, because that's what I've always seen. I didn't realise they had versions without the beard. But yes, your drawing is very close. I'm very impressed. Oh. I don't believe that you don't remember seeing the image. 
I, d- I, d- I may have got a glimpse as you go on to the next page. Maybe. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe. Fair but... enough. <laughs> yeah. I think they both do quite a good job. That first one reminds me of the early yes. times. It reminds Classical. me... Classical. Yeah. Julia Claudia. He looks like an emperor. Yes. But he doesn't like... He, he's not that impressive. I'm no. going to be honest. He's not sticking out to me. I'm going to give him six. I'm going to go for seven. I'm going to slide higher, but you're right. It's not amazing, is it? But it's it's fairly good stuff. So that gives him a score through our spreadsheet of 3.25 for Image Ignatius. Tempo completed. There's not much point in uh, asking you how long he ruled, because you know exactly. 19 years and 11 months. That's my guess. We're going to go for 20 years. Oh, we'll round it up. No, he did actually hit the 20-year mark. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> to the day. It was almost to the day. That's, again, okay. why some people believe that it was all premeditated, pre-planned. So if you put 20 years for our spreadsheet, that gives him a respectable score of 2.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gives him a total score, and I honestly can't remember Augustus's off the top of my head, but I know this is going to be close. His final score is a mightily impressive 48.75. So now I'm going to scroll up and find out what Augustus got. (gasps) 48.25. Diocletian has beaten Augustus by 0.5. Nice. Oh, that's close. So, oh, we've got just... Oh, it's close. But we've got a new second place. Augustus LJ Trafford will be devastated to oh. learn has been knocked down to third. We're so sorry. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I I think it's right that those two score so so close to each other. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I neck and neck, so. I agree. Because it's, like you said, it's like the dawn of a new empire, pretty much. Yes. So, that leaves us with one more question. Do they have a certain Gene Caesar? It's a shame. I really would like an emperor where it really is close to... We did have some near the start, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did debate some, whereas we did, yeah. recently it's just been so obviously yes and so obviously no. Mm. I think we will have some we can debate later on, but I'm assuming that you're going to agree with me that this is an obvious yes. He sorted out the empire, yes, of course. Yeah. He's ended the crisis. He's now number two in our list. Um, yeah, he's got to have it. So it's a Diocletian. Well done. Well done. Hey! Hey. Oh, it's been a while. I'll take that out of my mouth. It's been a while since we've done that. Yeah, there's a singe mark on the microphone. Yes, there is. Oh, right. Well, there we go. Well done, Diocletian. Well done to you. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, pretty good. A new Genesis R winner. So I'll pop that in the spreadsheet. Yeah. He's off to the Colosseum to fight it out at the end. Oh, him, Augustus. Oh, that will be close. Let's hope they get a good draw. Right, and now we have the fun that is to come. Yes. So it's Maximian next. Right. And then we get to just keep going through all these people who are vying for top spot. Brilliant. Making alliances, breaking alliances, turning on each other. Yeah, it's good stuff coming up. So th- this was more the foundation of the Tetrarchy this yeah. episode. We've got all the fun stuff to come. Okay, right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please follow our Facebook page on... Uh, obviously Facebook <laughs> yeah <laughs> and our Twitter page obviously on Twitter yes we've yes. also got um, a WordPress site on WordPress yes I will draw the map the new map of the Empire with the new provinces yeah. so you can see how that's all set out and I will put that up and obviously don't forget where you can download us on 
Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher. So please yes. do that. And thank you so much for those of you who are taking the time out to do a review on iTunes. Yeah. It really does make a difference. It is helping spread the word. And we are going to read some out this week. Yeah. And it makes us happy as well. It does. It makes, makes us smile. Happy. So let's, let's read some out here. So this one is by Tor Roach. Makes my Sundays, or Saturdays, sorry, five stars. Oh, good. Yes. This podcast makes my Saturdays and cleaning more bearable. Every week, New Emperor is done in an easy and enjoyable format. The inclusion of the character Jeff, Roger, and Rocky is very funny, and you are always on edge when Roger turns up, or if Jeff is going to die. I highly recommend this podcast to all those interested in the period and even those who have no knowledge of the period. This podcast is a light, refreshing break from the hard realities of life. Sorry, guys, I would have done a new review, but Apple won't let me. Really fun and enjoyable. The two hosts have really made me laugh. Keep it going. Oh, I love the emotional investment for Jeff. Like, actually worried for his safety. <laughs> yes. To be honest, Jeff is getting on by now, surely. Yeah. And it's not going to be long before he goes again. He's aged 20 years in this episode alone. That's true. Yeah. He's, he's not looking good for next episode. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, next one is from Susan963. And it says, What sound does an emperor make? Bah. Uh, if they're a sheep. Em- emperor sheep. <laughs> is this the review or is this a weird tangent you're going on? No, it says here, like, what sound does an emperor make? Well, let me do that again. <laughs> It made sense in my head. Sorry. This one's from Susan963. says, What sound does an emperor make? Five stars. Which Roman emperor invented the whoopee cushion? Which one had a pet lion named, loosely translated, Mr. Stabby? Which emperor rocked a mullet? Which one had a pressing need for hummus? (laughs) Which emperor broke the land speed record? Which one had a pet rock? Most of these facts are true. You can discover the truth behind omens and why you should think carefully before accepting a dinner invitation from an emperor. Thank you, Susan. I like that one. That was quite nice. Yeah, that was a nice one. She's obviously listening as well, you can tell. Yes. <laughs> Always a good sign. Okay, and thank you very much to All The Shoes. It's a good name. Emperors You've Never Heard Of Before is the title. Five stars. Such a funny and informative podcast. It's wonderful learning about Roman emperors that no one ever talks about, which is most of them. By the way, does Augustus mean all the emperors who take the throne before him, even if they continue ruling after Augustus is gone? Because you can't miss Leo the th- first. We don't rank lions, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> apart from Mr. Stabby. Well, yeah, he's... Yeah. Um, we are undecided. We are definitely stopping with Augustus in this season. It, yeah, well, in this season, yeah. And that is all I'll say. And mm. we will not be doing Romans next season but the season afterwards might go for the Byzantine who knows who knows what we do for season 3 of Totalis Rankium we're not sure Um, so you'll just have to wait and see but thank you for the review and this one is from Iron 16 is that the atomic mass of 16 can you look at for Iron look at the atomic mass of Iron (laughs) I'll look that up while you review Timeless 5 stars most people will be drawn to listen to this podcast due to interest in Roman history or a desire to learn more about something they slept through in school Rob and Jamie do a fantastic job of delivering great information while keeping the listener entertained through comedy. However, I want to make it known that in light of recent political developments, it would all be better served to looking at the history for some of the world's most famous emperors 
and some hilariously anonymous ones through a modern lens. In preparation for a world dominated by an insane buffoonish autocrat, perhaps we should all go back and listen to some certain episodes to avoid nasty surprises. Might I suggest Commodus or Caligula? Wonderful work, guys. Keep it up. I look forward to it every weekend. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's nice. We, of course, are apolitical on Totalis Rankin. Of course. Wouldn't want to express our own opinions on modern politics, but thank you for the review. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. Yes. The atomic number's 26. Ah, yeah. yeah. 10 off. Sorry, Iron yeah. 16. <laughs> hasty research there so thank you very much for all of you who are sending us reviews it's just your choice now to choose one of them I liked um, the one that mentioned all the aspects from the episodes I think that was nice Susan936 <laughs> what are you going for for the name yeah it is Susan963 oh, not bad that was good okay well you're our winner this week Susan963 so please message us uh, and if you want to send us your address and if you do we'll send you a coin to us ranking coin we have posted off the coins so you should be receiving them very soon so let yes. us know when you do and photograph yourself with it and put it on our Twitter or something or Facebook yes, that'd be quite do. nice photograph yourself trying to spend it to shop yes and you being ejected from the shop or being taken away by police yeah that'd be great. do that that'd be great Right, okay, so that just leaves us with our regular sign-off. Way for the four candles. That's our four <laughs> That is the most surreal one yet, I think. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Hello, Father. Hello, Father. How are you doing? I'm quite all right. How's it going in your diocese at the moment? Oh, it's good. They kept they kept coming at us, but we uh, we eviscerated them and slit their throats. Wonderful. I do like how the diocese are coming along at the moment. Yes, I feel there's a lot of progression at the moment. So much more organised. So much more. So much calmer. Oh, definitely. Apart from the deaths. Yes, but those screamings made me fall to sleep so nicely at night. Oh, it's I nutted a barbarian the other day. Oh, did you? Right in the face, yes. Oh, yes. Did, did they go down like a sack of potatoes? They certainly did, yes. Wonderful. But I kicked him in the... For Maximian... Maxim... Maxim... Maximian. Maximian. You have to say that all the time now. Maximian. I've lost my sentence now. I'll get a beer where you're working out. Yeah. This man was Maximian. Maximian. This Max man was Maximian. Maximian. Max. Just go Simeon. Simeon. Like monkey. Maximian. 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 Oh, that works. Maximian. See? Maximian. I teach. That's oh, right. you do. That's brilliant. Right, okay. Maximian. Simeon. 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 Say Simeon. Maximian. Maximian. I'm now thinking of him being a monkey. <laughs> Planet of the Emperor. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I can see so this being a long bit on the end <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> right, where were we? If you're listening... Yeah, you should have turned it off long ago. This turned out to be... Right. Uh, he adopted his most trusted general. Right, yeah, that was it. Simeon. So this man was Maximian. Ooh.